Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, good morning, gang, and welcome to New Southern Garden, of course. Uh, I'm your gardening pal, Nathan Wilson, and I'm glad you've decided to join us here. Uh, we are nearing the end of February. And, of course, the end of February still means we're in winter, <laughs> but winter's a great opportunity to continue planting shrubs and perennials, uh, things you may have been hoping to get in the ground. Remember, winter gives your, uh, your shrubs, perennials, trees even, a head start on growing a strong root system. The ground is still about 50 degrees below eight inches. Now that's plenty of warmth, plenty of heat to encourage your plants to grow roots. And if you're encouraging your plants to grow roots during this cool season when there's less stress, I mean many plants don't even have foliage right now. And so that encourages them to get stronger and prepare themselves for the heat and the drought conditions we may experience in summer. But over winter, especially on this show, we've been talking a lot about growing things indoors. And that's one way to continue gardening uh, with a little heat from the inside temperatures and not have to worry so much about being out in the cold. Now, of course, we've talked to extent. We had a series of shows uh, the past few weeks about houseplants. And houseplants, it's a great way. They are a great way uh, to grow inside. Now, you can also grow vegetables indoors and herbs through the graciousness of technology these days. There are certain grow lights. There are certain systems you can either build or uh, purchase that you can grow a mini garden inside if you have the space. Now, it can be as simple as a, a bright sunny window in the kitchen, growing a, a few couple of pots of herbs something like that but we want to encourage you here at New Southern Garden to continue growing even though it is cold and dreary outside and if you've missed any of those shows uh, about growing indoors or indoor gardening of course you can check out uh, any episode we've ever had at NewSouthernGarden.com through podcasting apps on your phone or smart device as well as Facebook and Instagram, where we're posting things. Oh, and some other things that I've been doing is I've been <laughs> writing more. I think we all need to have garden resolutions. And so trying to uh, provide you with a written form of information at New Southern Garden. We're po posting a, a weekly blog. I hope I can stay on top of that and uh, promise myself to continue to do that. Of course, this time of year um, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, where you can find me throughout the week at the nursery, we are super busy preparing new plants. We're doing a lot of propagation, dividing of perennials and things like that. We'll be getting in some new plants for spring. So it's a busy time, and I just hope I can keep up with all the work. But that's what it is. Gardening, it's about work. It's about doing more and growing more. And so if, like I said, you've missed any part of this show through winter, maybe you slip in, uh, you can find it online at NewSouthernGarden.com. But, of course, we're here every Saturday on WRWH 93.9 FM. Of course, this is your hometown radio 
out of Cleveland, Georgia, the beautiful Northeast Georgia mountains. I don't think there's any better place to live. Well, maybe just anywhere in the South, but particularly uh, this spot of earth is a jewel. It is a jewel. Now, on today's program, we're going to continue some topics from last week. Well, not topics, uh, but last week we were opening our mailbag and answering your questions. It's been a while since I've answered your questions, so I've got to get caught up. And so today we are going to answer a question from Stella, and she's right here in Northeast Georgia. And she's asking about peonies. And peonies are a great flower plant, a herbaceous perennial to grow. They come back year after year. But uh, in her message, she does uh, say, I I didn't think we could grow them, that they're too difficult. And I'm going to dispel those myths and give you a list of things you need to know about growing the best peony ever. Then I'm going to sort of steer a different direction and give you a little botanical information (laughs) about flower types. Now, in the plant world, we call flowers inflorescence. Inflorescence is a beautiful name, but of course it's lengthy. And I'm going to give you some unusual names that you've probably or maybe have heard of some of them, but maybe you've never heard of them before. And these are botanical names that are going to relate to the shape of flowers or the shapes of different types of inflorescence. Now, the reason that I wanted to go into this this week is uh, we posted a a blog, a thing that I wrote this week, about um, uh, uh, flowers in the wintertime. Now, I don't mean flowers that are blooming in the wintertime. Of course, we've talked about those on previous episodes. We've talked about some beautiful winter Daphne, which is a great evergreen shrub that is really at its peak, maybe not quite at its peak, early peak right now. Of course, we know about camellias and the hellebores. We had an entire episode about hellebores and growing those. Um, But we're talking about flowers that once were Flowers that once were over summer when they were blooming and had uh, colors and petals, they were gorgeous. But now that winter has arrived, I make a case in my article this week about maintaining those dry flower pods over winter. I've taken some photos of some uh, some plants that we have growing in the ground at Lanier Nursery and Gardens. They're on display. We haven't trimmed them back, but their 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 stems and the uh, uh, the dry seed pods they're they're hanging out. They're still there. They're skyward bound into the air. And even though the petals have long been gone, now we have these dry colors. We have these neutral goldens and dirty browns and sooty blacks. And I think that if we let those hang out for as long as we can until uh, late winter and early spring arise when the plant starts to generate new foliage, that we can have a sense of a beautiful decay. Because yes, those dry stems and flower pods uh, seed pods, rather, they're they're rotting. They're headed towards that process of decomposition, but they do have this um, remnant beauty, in my opinion. And if you add some dry grasses to those, then you can really see the shape and form of these uh, flower pods and old seed heads. And so we're going to talk more details about the different forms and types. Because like I said, if we leave these dry uh, beauties alone uh, over winter, then we really see the structure and the architecture of these dainty little dry, crispy stalks. Now, maybe it doesn't sound too beautiful when I say dry and crispy and brown, but like I said, uh, not uh, th- when, when they're combined together, these different flower forms, you can have a beautiful display. And beyond that, taking it a step further, 
uh, leaving these seed pods over winter provides a space for uh, mammals and birds to, uh, to find coverage. If you cut everything to the ground, there's no coverage for them. But on top of that, while they're being covered, they can slip up uh, onto the tops of those dry seed pods and they can consume what's left of seeds uh, and berries even if you have uh, 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 plants that produce berries. And it provides a great source of nutrition. The last aspect of keeping these uh, dry seed pods and flowers in shape is that you will be able uh, to to hear sounds. You will be able to hear these plants as they kind of rattle against each other. The dry grasses shake in the breeze, and it sort of makes this uh, sort of like an orchestration of, of of winter sounds right there in your garden. So don't rush out uh, this winter. Maybe you already have uh, because it is late, but uh, don't rush out and cut back all of your dry seed pods. Let them stand and sway in the breeze and you can get a better view of these different flower forms or different inflorescent types. And we're going to get into that later in the program. Uh, But like I said, we're going to answer a question this morning about peonies. Stella here in uh, the great northeastern part of Georgia wonders about growing peonies. She says that her mother had had them when she was a child and growing up. She hasn't planted any, but she would like to plant those because it reminds her of home. Now, it is a misconception, I guess that's the word, it is a misconception that uh, peonies don't do well in the South. Now, there's a few reasons for this misconception. Number one, the, the main reason, is because peonies do like cold weather. They do like cold weather. They don't like very hot and dry conditions. Well, I shouldn't say dry, but they don't like very much heat. Um, the, the thing about peonies is that there are different groups of them. You have early bloomers and late bloomer, mid bloomers, late bloomers. And to be honest, some of the late bloomers need a lot of cold over winter in order to stimulate the production of flower buds. It's, it's not very uncommon. It's called vernalization, where the plant itself needs a certain amount of uh, cold hours or chill hours, we should say. And that also goes for many fruit trees as well, which is the reason we can't grow uh, many fruit trees here in the South. Well, I should say like uh, cherries and things like that, because they need an extended amount of these chill hours. Now, chill hours hours are um, the days or hours of time we get where the temperatures are below 45 degrees. Now, of course, we've been getting some really nice cold and freezing weather so that even though it's not too conducive for our liking, it is very important for these peonies and many of your fruit bearing trees as well. Now, on the other side of the story here, the misconception, we have the fact that many people think that peonies can't handle heat. Now, it is true they don't like heat. But if we select those few types that can bloom early in the year, by the time summer comes around, you know, their foliage begins to look ratty, begins to turn yellow and then to a a deep brown in the middle of summer and into late summer. And many people think their peonies are dead, but they're just dormant. That's just what they do and and how they respond to um, to the conditions and climate we have here in the South. Now, with all that being said, it's not very hard to grow peonies if you select the right kinds. And the ones that we're limited to here in the South are probably the earliest bloomers as well as those maybe early mid bloomers. Uh, Some of the very late bloomers, they don't have enough chill hours, but also it does begin to become hot and uh, the heat induced stress uh, maybe doesn't let them perform and bloom like they should. 
So to answer Stella's question, yes, you can grow peonies here in the South. And uh, you just, I mean, you just have to select the right kinds. Now, if you're buying peonies mail order or from the um, from online sources, uh, the internet sites, then you do need to do your research and find out the ones that grow the best here in the South. But if you go to a local plant nursery like Lanier Nursery and Gardens, who I sort of say we are probably the premier supplier of peonies in the northeast Georgia area, because what we do is we go ahead and we select the ones that are going to do well. I mean, that's the case with local plant nurseries. The big box stores, I'm not going to mention any names, but maybe colors, you know, like the box store that has a blue logo and the box store that has an orange logo, you know, their little uh, rinky-dink garden centers there. Those uh, particular outlets, they don't necessarily screen the plants they're bringing in. Because, of course, they're getting plants on large uh, tractor trailers and they're being sent from store to store all over the south and to the north and to the west, wherever their stores exist. And you don't know if you're getting the right kind of peony for your area. So it comes down to two things. Uh, Really, one main thing when growing peonies is to make the best selection. Make sure that the peony you are growing is going to perform well in our area. Definitely those early blooming and maybe early mid blooming types should do just fine. If you don't want to do the research, you want to make it simple and easy, go to a local plant nursery. Of course, you'll find me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch. We're going to be getting in more peonies within a month, month and a half or so. And also we still have some in stock uh, from, from last season. So peonies, they are long-lived perennials. They are herbaceous perennials, which means that they put out foliage throughout the growing season. They do their blooming. And then all of that foliage dries back to the ground and excess nutrients in those leaves are stored in the roots. They are very thick, tuberous, rooted plants. And once they get established... It's really hard uh, to kill them. It is really hard to kill them. The only other thing that you have to consider when you're uh, after you've sourced the right peony for our location and our climate um, is the soil, because our soils here in the South, of course, tend to be clay based, not in all areas of the South. But we do want to make sure we have drier soils, not wet, boggy areas. We're going to get into more of the details of how to grow peonies once we've picked the right ones. We're going to talk about that when we get back from this quick break. So if you've ever wanted to grow peonies, but have been too scared, maybe, uh, or just want to get started, be sure to hang around. Uh, We'll be right back in a few seconds and talk about how to grow the best peonies ever. Hey gang, it's Nathan. Thanks so much for listening to the New Southern Garden Podcast. Of course, I love providing you with horticultural information to get you growing and growing well. But sometimes you need more than just information. You need plants. So I'd love for you to join me at Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where you can find me throughout the week. But you can find more than just me, of course. At Lanier Nursery and Gardens, you can browse through our wide selection of ornamental trees, glorious shrubs, and colorful perennials and annuals. And I want to thank all our listeners who have already made the trek to Lanier Nursery. It's been a pleasure to meet you and hear your gardening stories. We've got a wonderful crew of folks who are just itching to help you grow your best garden ever. So check out LanierNurseryGardens.com for more information and be sure to like us on Facebook and Instagram. Now, let's get growing together.
Well, gang, it's a nice, brisk, chilly morning here in the New Southern Garden, and that is really good news for you if you're growing peonies, because peonies do require a certain amount of chill hours, which, of course, is uh, the number of hours they receive below 45 degrees throughout the wintertime. Now, all peonies need a certain amount of these chill hours. Some need more than others, particularly those late-blooming varieties. So if you're going to be growing peonies, as Stella here in northeast Georgia, as she has written in asking about how to grow peonies in the south, uh, if you're going to be doing that, then you do want to make sure you're selecting types that can bloom early, uh, maybe early mid and uh, those will perform best in your landscape. But it's not just selecting the right plants that's important with peonies. The other aspect of, or I should say, some other aspects of growing the best peony ever, first of all, is to find a sunny location. People think that, we've already discussed this on the first segment, but people think that the the sun or our kind of sun here in the south is too much for peonies, and that's just not true. If peonies are grown in the shade or along a shady border, then the plants may look just fine, but they may never generate enough energy to store to produce flowers and uh, buds. So you do want to make sure wherever you plant your peonies, give them as much sun as possible. Um, it wouldn't be a bad idea to plant them in eastern morning sun and maybe get some shade in the afternoon. But as long as you can give them six hours of sun a day, you should be just fine. Now, if you were listening earlier, you know that I mentioned that soil is a very important aspect for peonies because they don't like heavy, wet soil. They will rot pretty easy. They're very, they're sort of like a potato in a way. Most of uh, their plant is underground, right? They have these swollen um, root systems, and those can become, if waterlogged, they can begin to rot and die. So you want to make sure that when you are planting your peonies that you're placing them in a site that's not just sunny, but also the soil is very well drained. If the soil drains well and no standing water happens, you know, it can be moist, but it doesn't need to stay wet. And let me tell you, folks, there's a difference between moist soil and wet soil. Most all plants will benefit from moist, uh, but not many of them will benefit from wet. So when you're planting your peony, you want to loosen the soil as much as possible. Now, ideally, when you're loosening the soil, you want to form a tilth. And remember, tilth is kind of the fluffiness of the soil. Uh, You want to be sure that there are no large clods of soil bigger than one inch in diameter. So if you can soften your soil to about one inch or less in diameter, as far as large clumps go, then that is appropriate. The other thing to do is to amend the planting hole with organic matter. Now, what organic matter is going to do is going to help fluff up the soil and it's going to help loosen it even further. It's going to probably provide a bit more drainage as well. Now you know if you've been listening to New Southern Garden for any extended period of time that we don't recommend planting trees and shrubs with organic matter. Now, I should probably stop here and say organic matter, of course, is things like compost and manures, soil conditioners. But we don't ever recommend um, planting trees and shrubs with this kind of product. We do, however, encourage with perennials to use organic matter, whether you're growing perennials or annuals or vegetables. It is appropriate and recommended to fluff up your soil, amend your soil, soften your soil. There's many descriptive words there with organic matter and your favorite soil conditioner or compost or mulch if you're making your own compost that should be just appropriate as well so that is essential when growing the best 
peonies ever. It's not a bad idea. Oh, well, well, let's go in this direction. How deep do you plant your peonies? The depth of planting peonies is extremely important, particularly in the south. We don't want to plant the peony buds or the eyes. Uh, peony growers, they call them eyes, just like a potato. You'll see that your peony right at the top, at the crown portion of your rootstock or uh, root plant, right at the top of that root, you'll see these little pink sort of red, maybe white even buds that we call eyes. And you don't want to plant those eyes too deep. You want to plant those eyes just below the surface of the soil. As a matter of fact, with peonies, if you planted it a little higher and didn't bury it very deeply, they would benefit. Because naturally, that peony is going to sort of shift as it grows. It's going to move in the appropriate location. It's easier for a plant to go deeper if it's planted shallowly rather than the plant being planted too deep. It can never really raise itself above to that appropriate planting height. So I don't want to scare you by saying uh, it's very important or very precise. Just be sure that those eyes are just below the surface of the soil, if not uh, sticking up above the surface of the soil. Now, if you buy your peonies online or through a catalog service, you're going to probably receive them what we call as bare root plants. Now, bare root plant is shipped um, with the absence of soil or any kind of media around it. If you come to Lanier Nursery and Gardens, however, we have potted them into plant into containers. Now, if you're buying a container peony, it would be recommended to plant the um, top of that root ball in line with the top of your soil because we're going to space them in that pot or plant them within that pot at the appropriate depth. So we've sort of taken out the guess and check, uh, if you will, uh, of planting peonies from a container. But if you do happen to order them over the internet or online, you'll get them most likely as bare root and you'll know that those eyes on that peony plant need to be planted just below the surface of the soil. Okay. I belabored that point because it's very important. You don't want to plant your peonies too deep. Now, your once you've set your peony in the ground, Stella, what you're going to see is it's going, as it warms up, those eyes are going to start opening up. They'll start producing foliage and you'll start to see flower buds pretty early, especially when you're uh, producing the early types of peonies, early blooming type peonies. Once they're done blooming, now that could be into the early part of spring, maybe mid-spring even. We do have peonies blooming through the month of May. So once your peony is done blooming, the one thing you want to do is remove the seed pod. Once the petals on your peony have fallen, you'll start to see this sort of grouping of seed pods right at the tip of that stalk. The petals will be gone, but what you'll want to do is remove that from the plant because those uh, particular seed pods are going to be extracting nutrients from the roots. The, you see, the purpose of plants, of course, is to produce seeds. And so they're going to do everything they can, try to get as much uh, nutrition into those seed pods, as many nutrients into those seed pods as possible because their goal is to produce offspring. But your goal is to produce a strong plant. And for a peony, keeping those roots as strong as possible is important. 
The plant first dedicates nutrition to producing these seed pods, and then it dedicates nutrition to producing roots. So if you remove the seed pods, you're eliminating its ability to send nutrition to those seed pods, and it will automatically send it to the roots, building a strong root system. Now, after you've removed those seed pods, of course, they're done blooming, you do want to apply a handful of slow-release fertilizer to help strengthen the plant at this time. Once the blooming period of your peonies is passed and it's over, it's on the way to, again, building stronger roots. And they're going, those leaves are going to need a bit of extra nutrition, uh, nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, all the things that plants need to grow, they're going to need those things in order to store more uh, nutrition or nutrients under the earth in those roots. So it's a combination of trimming back the uh, spent flowers, the seed pods, and fertilizing. Now, many uh, growers uh, who produce uh, peonies, they're going to encourage you not to over-fertilize because over-fertilizing might encourage more foliage growth and produce less blossoms. So a handful of a slow-release fertilizer, of course, at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, we have the perfect thing for all your blooming plants and trees and shrubs. It's a Floricane is the brand name, similar to Osmocote, which is found in the box stores, but it's a well-balanced slow-release fertilizer which means that it is slowly going to allow your plant to pick up some nitrogen, pick up some phosphorus, pick up potassium. And that's going to happen over the course of the of the next few weeks after that blooming is over because the heat's going to increase and those foliage, they're going to die back once it gets really hot. So be sure to fertilize as soon as your plant, uh, peony plant, is done blooming. Folks, I got a few more things to talk about when we get back about peonies, so hang on tight. Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is on the air. Your host, Nathan Wilson, with Lanier Nursery and Gardens in Flowery Branch, Georgia, is excited about providing information every gardener and non-gardener, homeowner, and apartment dweller can use. From vegetables to containers and compost to pruning shears, Nathan Wilson's new Southern Garden Show is here for you. Now here's Nathan. Well, gang, this morning on New Southern Garden, we are talking about uh, peonies, growing peonies in the south. Of course, Stella here in northeast Georgia, she has sent in a question about how to grow them. Can she grow them? And, of course, the answer is yes, you can. And here's how. (laughs) We've already talked about the uh, uh, top tips, we'll say. For growing peonies in the south, getting the best peony you ever could imagine. Uh, so if you missed any part of this program, of course, in a few short hours, uh, it will be online at NewSouthernGarden.com on podcasting apps as well as Facebook and Instagram as New Southern Garden. So check us out in one or all of those ways so we can keep in touch with you. Now, before we left uh, for the break, we were talking about fertilizing. Uh, fertilizing your peonies and you do want to do that probably before or around mother's day at least usually around mother's day most peonies are done blooming for the year you'll be trimming back those seed pods so that energy uh, and nutrients is going to the root system rather than to create seeds which you may not need unless you're breeding peonies Uh, but with all that in mind 
We don't want to put too much fertilizer. A handful of a slow-release fertilizer should be just fine, and they will have a good rest of the season until they go dormant in the summer. Now, remember, let me take a break here and just remind you that peonies don't look good in the heat of summer here in the South. It's just the way they respond to our heat or humidity. They tend to turn yellow after they bloom, uh, well, several weeks after they bloom. And then those yellow leaves will turn crispy and brown, and they will look sad for many, for many weeks until finally you can remove those dry leaves uh, at the base of the plant, and they're going to go to sleep uh, through fall and winter and then start that beautiful cycle all over again as we get back into the next uh, early spring. All right, let me make this uh, weird uh, discussion about peonies and ants because, see, uh, peonies, they the buds themselves, they produce this real liquidy kind of sweet-flavored substance uh, sugar. A lot of the pr- people who produce them, they call it sugar, and this sugar p- kind of uh, puddles up on the opening buds as they're getting bigger and ripening and whatnot, and that sugar is very attractive to ants because, see, ants, of course, like sweet things. You know, if you have a picnic, they come out and they'll consume your delicious desserts, but the same happens with um, the peony sugar on the buds. Now, it's sort of... It's sort of a debate between peony growers. Uh, some of the old-fashioned growers, they said, leave the ants alone. Don't remove the ants. They're not, ants aren't going to harm the plant anyways. They're just attracted to that sugar. But uh, some, sort of back in the old day, we thought that ants fed on the sugar that's produced by the flower blossom, and it encourages the flower to open. Well, through scientific research and trials, it was found that whether your plant has attracted ants to that sugar and whether that sugar is consumed or not, then your flower buds will still open. So you may hear of some people in the past saying, some of the old-fashioned growers saying, don't touch the ants, get rid, don't get rid of the ants. They're there to help. They're not harming the plant. They're going to encourage blooming. But uh, it doesn't seem to hold up to science. So if you see ants on your plants, don't worry. Your plants are fine. You don't have to remove them. Um, you definitely don't have to spray for them. They're not going to harm the plant. I just wanted to bring that to the table so that you can understand that if you happen to see ants, it's normal. It's a natural process. They're attracted to that sweet flavored sugar that's being produced and your plants will be fine. And whether you have ants or not, your blossoms should open and look beautiful regardless. Well, let's summarize for Stella here the things we want to do. The very first thing with peonies we talked about is picking the right cultivar, the right variety, the right type. We want early blooming types. There are some that we've sold at the nursery very early called uh, the, the corals, I call them. There's coral charm and coral sunset. They both open up with this beautiful cor- co- coral color. And then, of course, it uh, fades to either peachy or yellow. Uh, there is uh, Carl Rosenfeld, which is a red one, uh, which is beautiful. It's a very double, very blossomy, showy flower. Then there's Bola Beauty. Bola Beauty has this pink uh, s- uh, surrounding petals with the center of this kind of creamy, buttery colored, not quite yellow, but a more cream, I guess, uh, little short petals in the center. It's really attractive. Uh, let's see. There's the white one, Festiva Maxima. Festiva Maxima is an old type, but boy, it does very well in the south. 
It's a pure white flower with red center blotches on the inside. So it's very attractive. Let me see. Duchess Denimore. Duchess Denimore, of course, that's a French term. But that one in particular is more cream white. But the great thing is it's super fragrant. Probably one of the most fragrant ones we could grow in the South. Now, there is a hybrid, uh, which is a cross between a herbaceous peony and a tree peony. So it's very robust, very vigorous, and the blossom color is true yellow, almost highlighter yellow, not quite neon, but very close uh, to neon yellow. The center is red, and those blossoms um, are very unusual. It's very hard to find a true yellow peony, but through the process of hybridization, we've been able to secure one. So these are just a small selections of things we carry at Lanier Nursery and Gardens, which are some are available now, and then some will be available later as uh, the season progresses. But Regardless, pick the right peony. Make sure it's an early bloomer, maybe mid-early bloomer, uh, to make sure you're going to actually see blossoms. Don't go online and buy very late-blooming peonies because most likely the plant will be okay, uh, but you're never going to see blossoms. So, Stella, pick your peonies wisely. Then, of course, they like sun. They do don't like wet feet. They don't want heavy clay. They definitely want soil that's well-drained. So when you're planting, soften the soil as much as possible and amend it with some kind of organic matter in the form of compost, manure, soil conditioner, things like that. And remember, don't plant your peonies too deep. Make sure your peony eyes, the little buds right at the top of the crown of the root, is just below the surface. Do not plant them too deep. Then after they bloom, you want to remove those seed pods so they don't put the nutrition into forming seeds. You want them to form roots. And also at that same time, probably like I said, around Mother's Day or, or maybe a little later, uh, you can apply a handful of slow-release fertilizer to strengthen the plant. So Stella, don't let misconception uh, stop you from growing some great plants, these particular plants that are called peonies. There are plenty that can be grown in the South, plenty of beauty, plenty of color, plenty of fragrance on these things. As long as you follow these steps, you will have success and you will grow the best peony ever. Well, thanks so much to Stella and those uh, folks who uh, sent us questions in last week uh, that we answered on last week's program. And if, you know, as we're going into spring, as we're going into spring, getting closer to spring, I shouldn't say going in because we're not getting into it yet. We're still in late winter. We're still having freezing temperatures. But as we prepare for spring, perhaps you have a question that is burning through your mind, something that didn't do well last year and you want to know why, or maybe you're noticing something that that's not going to be coming back this year and you expected it would. If you've got any kind of question or if you've got some great success stories, we'd love for you to send us a message. Send us your gardening tales and also your questions at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can find the Contact Us page. You can list your question there or you can go to Facebook and Instagram, post a picture of your problem, uh, your plant issue, whatever, maybe a quick video giving uh, us a view of your landscape and we'll be glad to answer your question in the upcoming Q&A episodes because as spring comes folks you're going to have things come up and pop up that you you may need a resolution for well we want New Southern Garden to help you in all your gardening endeavors so you can stay well and grow well 
All right, now going into another type. Now, we did talk about flowers. We just talked about peonies and the types of uh, flowers there. But I would like to spend the rest of the program talking a little bit about the shape of flowers, the types of flowers, or the floral structure of flowers. Because at the beginning of the program, you know, I mentioned that uh, this week I had posted an article about leaving your dry perennial flower stalks and seed pods, leaving them alone, letting them show off a peculiar kind of beauty. I call it a beautiful decay uh, because, of course, dry seed pods and stalks, they're going to the wayside. They're going to be rotted. They're going to uh, decompose. But there is still structural, architectural beauty in the way that they're formed, the way that they are shaped, and the way these little flower uh, stalks and peduncles, <laughs> which are actually uh, the stems or pedicles, I should say, pedicels, those are the little stems that the flowers uh, are born on. The way they're structured, if you get close to these uh, uh, flower structures, you will see that there is repetition throughout species, that certain species have a certain flower form or an inflorescence type and others have other kinds so we're going to go through kind of the big five or six that you need to know uh, and there's all combinations and it's going to get a little botanical for the rest of the program I don't want to shy you away but I do want you to know these terms just so that you know you you can know more so you can grow more um Okay, let's start here. One of the most common flower types or inflorescent types, and inflorescence, again, is just the way uh, the flower is built. It is the actual... Um, uh, the actual uh, spike or the raceme. We're going to go through all these names in a minute, but it is the flower itself. All right, so the most common form you'll probably see is a composite type flower or a head. Some of us call them disc flowers, uh, those kinds of things. Now, this is where the flowers are actually born on a broad disc structure. Uh, many of these discs will then have ray flowers and petals extending around that central disc. Now, if I had, if we had video here, of course, I could show you what this looks like. But these types of flowers, the head flowers, the composite flowers, are things like daisies and black-eyed Susans and cone flowers. You'll notice that with all of those daisy-type flowers, they have a strong center disc. That's where all the really important flowers are, where all the seeds will be produced right there in the center. And then extending from that circular flat disc, broad disc, you're going to have ray flowers, which are those little beautiful petals, like the purple petals on cone flowers. Those are just ray flowers. They don't actually produce seeds. They're there to a attract um, butterflies and hummingbirds and things like that. Black-eyed Susans, of course, they have that strong center disc, that black um, head, and then yellow petals coming off. And of course, daisies, usually a strong yellow center with white flowers, white ray flowers coming off of that disc. So this is one of the most common flower types you'll see in perennials and some other flowering plants the head flower or the head inflorescence. Now, another very common flower type is called a spike. Now, a spike flower is where you have this very long, unbranched series of flowers attached to a stem, a central stem, right at the stem. 
Now, this is a little different than the next one we'll talk about. So I want to make it clear that a true spike in fluorescence is a, has a long center stem uh, with flowers directly attached to that center stem. Now, this would be seen in obedience plant. I don't know. Be, obedience plant is not as common as it should be. It's a great native plant. has these beautiful kind of white and pink flowers. It can vary from cultivar to cultivar. But those flowers are directly attached to that center stem just like like oak flowers. Now, usually we never really see oak flowers. Uh, more technically, those oak flowers are called catkins, but catkins are a form of a spike where the tiny little flowers, which aren't showy for oaks, they are attached directly to the stem on this long stem, flowers going up and down. So that's a spike. Well, folks, we've got a handful more of these flower types to talk about. So when you get into your garden this year, you'll be able to identify uh, which flowers have which types, which will help you find some solutions to unknown plants. Hang on tight. We'll be right back with more. Hey gang, do you sometimes feel like you are riding a lonely trail while gardening, all alone with no one to join in the fun? Well, join the new Southern Garden community today and find peace of mind by sharing your experiences, whether they be poor ones or successful ones. New Southern Garden is on Facebook and Instagram, so I'd love for you to friend, follow, like, share whatever it is we're doing these days. Also, you can check out our website at NewSouthernGarden.com where you can not only find every episode of the show ever, but you can also send us a question via our Contact Us page. It's never fun gardening alone. So get social with the New Southern Garden family and let's grow well. Well, gang, we are nearing the end of our program today here on New Southern Garden. We're very glad that you joined us, and hopefully, if you haven't been growing any peonies in particular, maybe this year, this spring, will be the time that you choose to add them to your garden borders. But before we left for the break, we were talking about the different types of inflorescence. Now, this is sort of a botanical discussion. We're talking about uh, the the physiology of plants. We're talking about the way that they are constructed. We're particularly looking at the flowers, also known as inflorescence. Now, there are different ways in which flowers are comprised and built, and there are similarities from species to species and across um, uh, different groupings of plants, but they do help you with identifying certain plants. If you've ever um, looked in your landscape or garden and you've seen a strange plant you didn't know, maybe it was a wild plant, sort of a weed, but you wanted to know the name of it. Well, the first place to start are with flowers. Now, some plants have leaves that look similar. Some plants have leaves that are arranged similarly. But when we're identifying plants uh, historically, uh, taxonomist, which is uh, a person who uh, gives plants names and puts them into their groupings, taxonomist will use the flowers as a way to connect plants and to really separate them. Because like I said, foliage can look similar from plant to plant. But 
But uh, we've already talked about head-type flowers, which are mainly disc-type flowers, uh, which we see in the daisies and black-eyed Susans and cone flowers. They have a strong center with flower petals coming off the side of that strong center. Then we talked briefly about spikes. And again, spikes have a strong center stem, a main stem skyward bound into the air. And flowers are attached directly to that main stem. Now, similar to a spike in fluorescence, we have a raceme in fluorescence. Now, raceme is very similar, almost identical. There's just one different factor where a spike is a strong center stem with flowers attached directly to that stem. A raceme is technically has a strong center stem with short stems that the flowers hang on to. All right. So if you can imagine just one main stem going into the air with tiny little short protrusions those are called pedicles or pedicels I guess I should say and at the end of those short stems you see your flower now this one in particular we see some very well-known flowers like agastache of course agastache is a beautiful plant Uh, many are hardy to our zone not necessarily native but uh, some are native from out west and down into um, to, to Mexico that direction they're very drought tolerant they have tubular flowers that hang off of those pedicels, those short stems, and then salvias. Most everybody knows salvia. Salvia is another heat-tolerant, drought-tolerant plant. Comes in all shades from reds to purples and blues, um, even whites, uh, pinks. Really, there's every shade there. Maybe not so much yellow. But they, too, have flowers that are attached to the main stem by a short stem called a pedicel pedicle. I don't know if I'm saying that right or not. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I was in plant school. And then lastly, Veronica or Speedwell. There is a native Speedwell, but most of the Speedwells we use here uh, in the south are, are going to be imported. But they're great pollinator plants and again have that same raceme flower form. Now, the other main type of flower uh, flower inflorescence you want to be looking for are panicles. Now, panicles are shaped sort of like a um, mason's trowel okay a mason's trowel sort of cone shaped now you see this primarily uh with um uh hydrangea there's a panicled hydrangea and that's exactly how it gets its name because of its flower shape now a panicle is related to the racemes uh but they have more branches so the flowers come off of that main stem with a pedicle but it is highly branched and if you were to go and look at any of your limelight hydrangeas or little lime hydrangeas granda Grandiflora hydrangea. Those hydrangeas are all panicled hydrangeas and they have that panicle style blossom. It's a very pretty blossom. I think they're they're awesome because they're usually chunky uh, and just these kind of um, vertical cones that sky bound that skyward bound into the air. Now another uh, group of plants, uh, sorry, another group of plant inflorescence is the corum. The corum is basically a flat topped uh, blossom. It has these um, very, let's see, a main stem, then it has these long peduncles going up in, or pedicles going into the air, and they make, they, they all open at a flat top. And it's a really cool, uh, cool display. Now, you will see corums in that group of yarrow, 
and Achillea. Rather, yarrow is Achillea. Of course, it's a very ancient plant that was used back in the day, uh, uh, in the Greek days, I guess, when they would throw Achillea onto the floor. Because back in the day, they didn't have carpeting. They didn't even have boards. They had dirt floors. And that Achillea, uh, those leaves would be crushed under people's feet and emit an aroma and make the house smell better. I don't encourage you to throw yarrow on the ground, uh, but that is what that particular plant was used for years ago. But they do have this corum uh, type of inflorescence, which again, flat topped and uh, can be really attractive. Um, Now, let's see. Oh, I do want to say that Achillea gets its name or Yarrow gets its name from Achilles. It is a very ancient plant. And of course, since it was tread by people's feet, like I mentioned, as a potpourri sort of, uh, they got the name Achillea like Achilles tendon, which of course is right there at your heel. Now, very similar to a corum type flower is an umble. Now, an umble is very attractive. It still has that flat form, but those uh, short flower stems come off the main stem at the same point. So they radiate around the top of that stem, creating a flat-shaped blossom. Uh, So it looks similar to a corum, uh, but you'll find plants in the dill family, dill, fennel, uh, even the onion family. Sometimes we call those alliums. The allium family, they all have an umbel-shaped inflorescence. So again, we've talked about head-type flowers with daisies and black-eyed Susans, coneflower, spike flowers like obedience plant, racine-type flowers like agastache and salvia and speedwell, panicle-type flowers like your panicled hydrangeas, corum-type flowers which are like the Achillea group, very flat-topped. And then lastly, those umbel-shaped flowers. And umbels, again, uh, have a, have a flat-blooming uh, bl- surface. All the, petals, uh, all the petals are at the top of that flower, but they come off of the main stem at the same point. Now, I go through all this to say uh, that, uh, well, if you have any questions, first of all, about the way these plants actually look, rather than my uh, poor descriptions of them, you can Google any of them um, and check pictures of them out. But the point is knowing how a flower blooms or how a plant blooms, how it's structured, how it's architected, I think how it's designed is going to help you identify. And the best thing to do is let your perennial plants that have these different flower forms, let them go to seed, let them dry over winter, and you can enjoy the structure of those flowers themselves. I think that when winter comes, you have gray skies. Usually we have very few sunny blue sky days. But when winter comes, uh, letting those flower dry seed pods hang out in the sky, brussel up against each other, make some noise, give food for pollinators, or rather uh, wildlife like birds and some mammals, it can be a beautiful decay. Those particular plants are on the downcline, a downhill slope of looking good, but I think it's a different kind of beauty. So anyhow, folks, we've talked about peonies. We've talked about flowers today. I'm Nathan Wilson for New Southern Garden, hoping you'll join us next week at 10 a.m. right here on WRWH. Stay well and grow well. Sidewalks and buildings and singing Hey, thanks for joining us for this edition of Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show. If you have a comment about today's program, you can reach out to Nathan by sending an email to grow at LanierNurseryGardens.com. 
Also get more information at NewSouthernGarden.com. Join us next Saturday on Local News Radio 93.9 FM and AM 1350 for Nathan Wilson's New Southern Garden Show.